This morning's reading comes from John 4, verses 4 through 14. But he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Sandy. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Lord, we thank you for your presence here among us. We thank you for the way that you speak to us through, through song and story about where you are moving in the world through silence and through scripture. And Lord, we pray that you would speak to us through this time together where we are contemplating this story. Lord, that like this woman who meets Jesus in the midst of her life, that you might come and meet us each here. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. I am so pleased to be with you all this morning and to be joining you especially in the middle of this Show Me Jesus sermon series where we have been really digging in and spending time with Jesus and reading the stories about Jesus' life and who he is. I hope that either through one of the weeks previous to this or today, if this is your first day in this sermon series, that you really get an opportunity to encounter Jesus, to know who Christ is personally, and to have an experience where you feel like, yes, Jesus is here with me today, because that is what our work is all about, right? We want to meet Jesus. And in today's scripture, that's exactly what happens for the Samaritan woman. She encounters Jesus just in the midst of her normal daily life, and it changes everything for her. And so I want us to dig in a little bit to that story that we might learn really how did this happen and who is the Jesus that she meets. And so Jesus, as the story begins, is traveling. Right? He's going from one place to another in the, the process of his daily life and his ministry. And he arrives at this town whose name is Shekar. Shekar. 
Um, it is a town that you might not have heard about, but if you are a scholar of the Bible and you've read the Old Testament, you might have heard about a town with another S name, which is Shechem. And this is the same town. They just go by a different name. Um, now, if you haven't heard by the town by either name, that is perfectly okay. What we need to know together is that this is the capital city of a place called Samaria, a region. And the region of Samaria is the region where the Samaritans live. And it's the place where Jesus is traveling through. Now, the Samaritans are a group of people that the Bible says today, it put it right there in parentheses, the Jews have nothing in common with the Samaritans, right? There are people who are at odds with the Jewish people. And let's remember that Jesus is himself a Jewish person. And so Jesus is traveling through this place with people who don't necessarily agree with him. The Samaritans, they, they share a common history with the Jewish people, but the Jewish people look at the Samaritans and they say, you're, you're maybe religious mixers. You practice some of the same faith we do, but then you combine it with elements of what the Jews considered superstition, right? Things that they didn't believe in. And so the Jewish people looked at the Samaritans and they said, your faith is less than, you're not practicing the real faith. And the Samaritans look at the Jews and they feel judged and, and like they are being um, looked down upon. And so there's always this power conflict between the two groups. So that's the region that Jesus is traveling through. Those are the people that he is walking among. And then he gets to the capital city of this place, and he decides to have a rest by a well. And his disciples go into town, but he's out resting by the well. And now the scripture tells us um, that it's noon, right? It's the, the heat of the day. The sun is up in the sky. And that means that likely there's not a lot of shadows, not a lot of shade. So Jesus is out sitting by the well in the heat. And this is not the time of day you go to the well, right? It's the time of the day you head inside, you rest. That's what you and I do in the heat of the summer, right? We go inside at noon. All good, self-respecting people go to the well to draw their water either in the morning or in the evening, but not in the middle of the day. So we anticipate Jesus will be alone, but instead he encounters this woman who has also come to the well in the middle of the day. Now, I imagine that as she's walking up to the well, she already knows that Jesus is a Jew, right? There's just like we can categorize people as we approach them on the street, right? They, they can look at one another and know. She knows that he is a Jewish rabbi by the way that he carries and dresses himself, and so she expects him to interact with her in a certain way, and that is not the way he interacts with her. Instead, what Jesus does is, is he approaches this woman with vulnerability, and he asks her, may I have a drink of water? Now Jesus is weary from journeying through the desert. He is thirsty from the heat. He is human and vulnerable. And he does this thing of asking someone who should be an enemy to help him. He lays bare for her his humanity and his need. And he trusts that she will treat him with kindness and grace. And this has to be very surprising for the Samaritan woman, 
right? She expected that Jesus wouldn't even speak to her, and here he is exposing his vulnerability, and yet she seems willing to engage with him. She says, how can you ask me for a drink of water? And then he goes on to bring up this thing um, called living waters, and we'll unpack that in just a second. But when he brings that up, she, she engages, she asks questions, she follows up, and there is a good reason that this woman is willing to have a conversation with Jesus, and it's because not a lot of people were talking to this woman. You see, she was living a sexual life that her town knew about and had cast her out for. They had judged her for her sin, and so she was not in relationship with a lot of people, and here was someone who, for whatever reason, was willing to talk to her. She is weary from journeying under the weight of her sin, and she is weary of being judged. She is human and vulnerable, and she does not ask Jesus for his help, but he offers her a relationship with him. He offers her the refreshment of these living waters. He offers her himself, and together, in their shared humanity, they find a better way to be. And that's what these living waters are all about. And so I want us to dig into this idea for just a second, because um, if you're part of the church, this might have become so mundane that you forget just how exciting this idea is. And if you're not, then you might be saying living water. I don't even know what that means. And so either way, let's take a moment to focus on it. Jesus here is describing the relationship that he is offering this woman. It is one in which she will be washed clean, not literally by water and not just once, but in which she will be washed and refreshed continually, day after day. It is a relationship in which mercy is new each morning and she can start again every day. It is also a relationship of sustenance. We all need water to live. And we also need a spiritual source of life if we are to sustain our well-being. And so when we stay in relationship with Jesus, when we saturate ourselves in these living waters, we are sustained for spiritual growth. It is a relationship of refreshing, of sustenance, and it is also one of inclusion. Because the waters, as they flow behind me here and as the baptismal font stands to my right, the waters are often a symbol of baptism as well. And baptism is the process by which we, we symbolically mark that a person belongs to the community of God, that they are covered in the love of Jesus and empowered by the Spirit. Baptism is the symbol that reminds us of the work of God in our lives, that we are included in the community. And so this is what it means to be in relationship with Jesus. This is what it means to drink living water, to be, to be refreshed, sustained, and included. Last week, we spent time with Pastor Gina as she talked about the boldness of Jesus, and she asked all of us two questions. What needs to be cleared out of your life, and where do you need to step in? And so today, I want to pose another question to us. Who needs to be brought in? You see, Jesus is inclusive. Jesus seeks out you. Jesus seeks out me. Jesus seeks out others that we haven't even met. 
who needs to be brought in? Jesus is so intentional about this. You see, um, verse four of our scripture today begins, but Jesus had to go to Samaria. And now, if you looked at where Jesus was traveling to and from and you plotted it on a map, you'd stretch your head and say, well, Jesus didn't actually have to go through Samaria, right? Google Maps could have found a better route for him. But he went through Samaria. And he did that because he already had this woman in mind. He had to go through Samaria because he wanted to include her intentionally. Intentionally. He sought her out. He changed his daily rhythm that he might share and offer these living waters to this woman. The inclusion that Jesus offers us, the inclusion that is part of our work is the church. It's not accidental. It's not just like include anybody who happens to be convenient on your, on your normal journey. It is go and seek out those who are on the outside, those who are marginalized, those who have been cast out. Go and intentionally include them because this is what Jesus does. And you know, Jesus does this work on common ground. I mentioned earlier that the scripture put that in parentheses, Jews and Samaritans have nothing in common, but that's not really true. You see, Jesus finds common ground with this Samaritan woman, and he does it quite literally, like common ground that he's standing on, because they meet together by Jacob's well. Jacob's well is traditionally understood to, be, to have been dug and built by a father of the faith named Jacob. You might know him better by a name he gets later, Israel. He is the father of the nation of Israel, of the Jewish faith. And whatever disagreements Samaritans and Jews have now, they share Jacob as a common ancestor. And so while in the present day, Samaritans and Jews may think they have nothing in common, Jesus says, you know, actually, we have a lot in common. Just look at the ground we're standing on. And you know, the woman is thinking of Jacob as well, because when Jesus offers her living waters, she responds and says, are you greater than our father Jacob, who built this well and drank from it himself? Now, she's wondering, you know, who is Jesus to offer living water, right? Because Jacob was a great man. He built this well. He was the father of the nation. He is somebody who is very prosperous. He, he collected a lot of goods. He had many children. His name is still on a country to this day, right? In terms of society, Jacob is a great man. Jesus at the time, not so much. From the outside in, Jesus is just a poor man, who can't afford any transportation, like a, a donkey or a camel to ride on, a poor man walking through the desert. He can't afford anyone to travel with him to help him carry his water. Are you greater than our father Jacob? But the work that Jesus is calling all of us to, the work he is doing when he offers her living water, it is not the work of great men and women, someone else. It is the work of common folk to find common ground and to share together in our common humanity that we might invite others to drink of the living water, to be refreshed and sustained and included by Jesus Christ.
that work of including people, it is the work of the church. But I have to be honest with you all, it can be really scary and hard work, and we do not always get it right. Some of you know that I worked as a hospital chaplain for a couple of years, but I'm willing to bet all of you know that being in the hospital is a difficult time. It makes you very vulnerable because you are weary from your illness, you're weary from loneliness, you're weary sometimes from having to advocate for yourself. And I remember there was a woman in the hospital, Miss Francesca, and she was weary from all three. She was a um, poor, single, middle-aged black woman who qualified medically as obese. And she lived in our hospital for six months alone without family visiting. While she was there, she had no trust for the staff. And let me tell you, she has good reason because the, the healthcare system has a long history of not believing and of abusing minority people and obese people. And so she was living in this place where she felt mistrust, like, like possibly anybody at any moment could be taking advantage and hurting her. And so as kind of a defense mechanism, anytime anyone walked in her room, she would hurl hate and insults at them. And I'm gonna be honest, the staff did not behave any better, right? We did not understand her experience, and so the staff generally tried to avoid her room and just do the bare minimum because they didn't like interacting with her. And like Jews and Samaritans, that hospital staff and Miss Francesca, they were people who thought they had nothing in common and they did not understand each other and they did not have space for each other's existence. And then one day when I was on call, an incident happened with Miss Francesca that I needed to respond to. And so I went and I thought, I'm going to, I'm going to offer my humanity and maybe we can find some common ground. And I don't know what it was about how I showed up in the space or, or who I am or what I said, but she was having none of it. And I got thrown out of that room just as fast as everybody else had been. I did not do it right. But a young woman on staff found common ground with Miss Francesca in a shared Pentecostal faith. And then they brought in another staff person who shared that faith, and then another, and they got to talking about the stories of their faith, and then they got to talking about the present day, and how that shared faith also gave them a shared frustration with some of the things that they were seeing in the hospital where people were falling through the gaps, and all of a sudden they had something in common they could include one another in each other's lives, and they realized that there was plenty of space for all of us in the living waters of Jesus. We don't always get it right when we set out to share and offer ourselves and offer this, this thing that we have found in Jesus. I didn't get it right that day. But friends, I kept trying. I keep trying with others, and I kept trying with Miss Francesca every time that I saw her. Because we may not get it right, but that is the work of the church, to join with Jesus in this work of inclusion, of offering living water to any and all people. So I want to ask you again, who needs to be brought in? It may be somebody that you can clearly see is on the outside, somebody that the world ha or yourself has a negative narration about, and you know, I need to go over there and find some common ground. 
but it may be you. It may be you. You might be someone who has never truly believed that you belong in the church. You might be somebody who has never truly felt that you are loved. It may be that you really don't believe that there is a God who would care about you or who would seek you out. But friends, that is exactly what Jesus is doing. Jesus offers you the living water that every day may refresh you, every day sustain you, every day remind you that you are included in the church of Jesus. You belong here. There is a place for you here. And we need you here. Jesus is inclusive. It is part of the character of God, and our work as the church is to join Jesus in this, to reflect his character. We exist to share that living water with others, and when we do, when we, when we drink of the living water together, when we pass through baptismal waters into new life together with people of all ages and nations and races and identities and abilities, oh, what a world it is that Jesus is offering us. The spirit that has hovered over the waters since the beginning washes over us and joins us together in a way that we never can without that Holy Spirit. We can each become springs of living water so that we can go out into the world and pour water over a dry and weary world. I want to leave you with an image of exactly that from Ezekiel chapter 47. And I would encourage you if this image, if it resonates with you, if you like this, go and read all of Ezekiel chapter 47 because what I've done here, it's a really long chapter. What I've done here is pull a verse here, pull a verse there, and try to give us a picture that Ezekiel is painting. But go and read the whole thing. So hear this image that Ezekiel has. Now he brought me back to the entrance to the temple. I saw water pouring out from under the temple porch to the east. He walked to the east with a measuring tape and measured off 1,500 feet, leading me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another 1,500 feet, leading me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another 1,500 feet, leading me through water waist deep. He measured off another 1,500 feet. By now, it was a river over my head, water to swim in, water no one could possibly walk through. He said, son of man, have you had a good look? Then he took me back to the river bank. While sitting on the bank, I noticed that there were a lot of trees on both sides of the river. And the river itself on both banks will grow fruit trees of all kinds. Their leaves won't wither, the fruit won't fail. Every month they'll bear fresh fruit because the river from the sanctuary flows through them. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Church, Ezekiel is painting an image here of what it means to have drank from the living waters. He's painting an image of what it will be when we are all together united in Christ in a day to come. 
But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are offered the opportunity to live into this image today as well. One of my favorite parts about that image is that the water flows from God, the source, from from the heart of the temple. But that as that river runs out into the world, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. Did you notice that? And that is because as it goes out into the world, that river is joined by you and I and every person who has ever drank of the living waters. Christ tells the woman at the well today that if you drink of this living water, you will have a spring within you from which it will pour out into the world. When we join together with the river of God, each one of our springs pours into that river until it is so wide and so deep that there is room for all of us to swim in it. Friends, I want to, I want to wade in that water as the song goes. I want, I want to swim in that river of life. I want to know what it is to have water over my head and be surrounded by the life of Jesus Christ. And I want to do that with you. And so in just a moment here, we are going to join our voices together in song And I encourage you first and foremost to just breathe in and relax into the living water of Christ. Enjoy being in the river. And then I want you to think about how Jesus has intentionally included you. And I want you to think about that question, who needs to be brought in? Because friends, we are better when we are together and you have so much to offer the world because you have the living water of Jesus. Amen.